Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at FCBRadio.com. FCB. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't stay, then we won't stay. All we got is us, no one can take that away. Yeah. So don't stay, it's gonna be okay. I pray the Lord, my soul today. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Just Listen to Yourself Plus. And I am pleased to welcome a friend and now a, a fellow candidate for office, uh, Lance Christensen. He is running for the California Supervisor of Public superintendent excuse me of public instruction and lance is a great guy he's been on the side of of life and liberty for as long as i've known him i met him when we were fighting 
um, the AB5 battle and the sex ed battle in Sacramento. And now he is running to become a part of of the change and the revolution that we're seeing. Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carrie. You're awesome. Ever oh, since the first you. rando email I got from you saying, hey, what do you know? AB5, we got to fix this thing. <laughs> I was intrigued. And since then, we've been good friends. It's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, it, it's a privilege. And I am really, uh, I was just so moved to see that you were running for this position. Now, before we kind of get into your reasons for running and what that journey was for you, tell us um, what does the superintendent of public instruction do in California? I don't think a lot of people know this position exists. I would say that 99 people out of 100 couldn't tell you that the position one exists and that it's a coin flip between that last person if they can tell you who it actually is right now. Um, I don't know who it is. uh, Well, his name's Tony Thurman and the superintendent of public instruction (laughs) for a long time was an appointed position. And so years ago, I think the legislature felt like they wanted to have maybe another place to send people who were termed out and create another elected office. Good Lord. Like a lot of other things. Right. And so, and I don't know, maybe that's not the complete reason it happened decades ago, but they made it an elected position. So it's actually constitutional elected position. I mean, it's one of the eight constitutional officers, like governor, Lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state, those guys. Um, But it's the only nonpartisan office in the constitutional offices. So in other words, I'm a Republican, a registered Republican, get that on the table, a conservative, libertarian. I've worked for Reason Foundation and California Policy Center. So all those bona fides out there. But I'm I'm also going in this as a nonpartisan, meaning that they won't put whether you're Republican, Democrat, Green, Independent, or anything else on there, just as no party preference. And so, or nonpartisan, actually. So the superintendent of public instruction is the chief education officer in California. Out of the 6.6 million kids, He basically, he or she, we've had women in the past, dictates the policy direction for education in the state. That's curriculum. That's, um, you know, large oversight over uh, school districts, charter schools. They also receive all the private school affidavits. So if you run a private school or a homeschool through a PSA, they receive it. Now, there's a discussion about whether they're over it or not, but they receive that information. And so that's part of the repository there. They direct and are the, the head officer ex officio of the, of the board of education. And they also sit on the commission of uh, the credentialing for teachers. And so interesting, everything like when wow. people think about these offices, they think, Oh, it's just the public schools. Yeah. No, it's, it's every kid pretty much ages six to 18 or in K through 12 education or pre-K. Wow. I did not know the scope of this. I mean, I, I honestly didn't really know about, I mean, I've been involved in education and even I didn't really understand this position until you were running. And then I was interested in, of course, in the last couple of years, we've all become way more interested in public education. I mean, usually my battles have been fought on just like the curriculum, like really the base levels as a parent more so than even a political pundit and activist. Um, But that is actually stunning for just to, to be clear for my listeners who aren't in the state of California, sure. you, they may have heard you mention um, that private school affidavit and that homeschool affidavit. So we technically don't have the right to homeschool here in California, but you can do so under uh, the our private school laws. You just declare yourself your private school and then you can homeschool. And that's a paper that you send into the state. Usually they, there's no, it's not a big deal. Yeah. You send in the paper 
and they just know that you're not on the public rolls anymore. Um, so when he says that, that's that's what he's referring to. We're not like other states where it's like, oh, if you just want to pull your kid out and homeschool, you just do that. Um, and so far, have, the system works well for those people. And it works and, fine. You know. Yeah. yeah, it works fine. I actually don't really have any complaints about it um, unless somebody decides to pull some triggers, which we do hear stuff like that rolling around in Sacramento from time to time. But this office is I mean, that's astounding that it covers so many kids. And as you know, I'm running for school board here in my um, area, in my district in southern um, Orange County. And it has been Lance like eye-opening to see the layers of bureaucracy that are above the school board. I can't even keep up with it. It's absolutely insane. So if you're a regular school board member, you're probably one of the most powerful people in your community. And a lot of school board members don't realize this or they don't take it to heart. It's kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of in charge of the schools. No, think about it. You're in charge of every single kid that lives in your jurisdiction whether or not they go to public school or not, right? Now, there's different flexibilities. Parents um, have ultimate responsibility, which is my platform. My platform is simply add parents back into the education equation. But if you're running for school board, you determine the curriculum, you determine boundaries, you determine um, whether you're going to keep or close schools, discipline issues, every major thing that a parent has to deal with, uh, whether or not to to approve a charter school, um, which is a big battle, for a lot of school districts, mm-hmm. that all happens at the school board level. But like you said, there's a whole other several set of layers above that. You've got the county offices of, of education. All 58 counties have one of those. Um, that that office of education will funnel money through, do special ed, make sure they take care of the kids that are incarcerated, their education. You know, if you're a kid in juvenile, the juvenile hall or, or the uh, Department of Juvenile Justice, they've got to figure out how to deal with that stuff. And then you've also got people who are above that at the Department of Education, the Board of Education, which really take what the legislature gives them and the federal government gives them and then shoves it down the hill. And the Department of Education's budget, or at least the superintendent's office, is $125 million this year. So there's a lot of bureaucracy going on in that building. And so much money. That's really, I mean, just the money flowing through is just, it's so tempting. Well, um, I know that people like you and I would prefer there not to be all these layers of bureaucracy, but since there are, we might as well be filling these positions with with good people. So why do you want to run for superintendent of public instruction? It sounds like a giant job. And it also sounds, I, I don't mean to, to sound dramatic. But it sounds a little dangerous, to be honest, because the unions really own public instruction in California, for better, or for worse, whether or not you're a union person or not. You know, I'm not trying to actually disparage people who are in unions. But sure. what I am saying is that the union apparatus has been very powerful in Sacramento, and they have been known to do some shady things to protect to protect that power and all of the money that flows through there. Why are you running? Well, a little bit of background on me. Um, I'm a father of five, happily married for almost 22 years. My oldest is graduating next month. My youngest is in kindergartner. So I have a K through 12 education system at home. Right? <laughs> and uh, my wife, God bless her. She has the three youngest are being 
homeschooled through a charter school right now. So they're all technically all five of my kids are in the public school system. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the legislature, when you and I met, we were working hard on, um, on an issue was a constitutional amendment and a, and a change in law that would give education savings accounts to any kid that wants them. And this was a bill that I worked with my former boss, John Warlock, who represented Orange County very capably, the only CPA in the legislature. I was his chief of staff. And in 2018, we had this bill, SB 1344, worked on that really hard. It didn't go anywhere. The education committee killed it, of course, because the legislature's owned lock, stock, and barrel by the teachers union. Yeah. Top to bottom. And That's so just a reality. It is. And, yeah. and again, I love teachers. We've had amazing amount of teachers. I've, I was an educational assistant years ago after um, undergrad, before I went to grad school at Pepperdine down in uh, Malibu, where I got a master's of public policy degree. But I understand too, that there are the, the union exists to protect teachers. Good teachers don't need a lot of protection. So what does that leave you with? The dregs. And we can always talk about, that's something we can talk about later. But as we were doing this bill, the same time, he was also the, the vice chair of the subcommittee on education spending in the budget. So every penny that came through, came through our office. And it was amazing to see the billions and billions of dollars just squandered, just wasted away the mandates that were thrust upon these school districts. And so when he was effectively pushing against the unions, they spent seven and a half million dollars to kick him out of office. Wow. So imagine that to wow. have a million dollars dropped in your head is a lot of money. There were some days people would walk into our campaign office in Orange County and they would drop stacks of mail they got just that week, not, not over the whole course of the campaign that week. So when you have seven and a half million dollars, you can do a lot of really mean and nasty and untruthful things. And we lost by a few thousand votes. And so because of that, I lost my job, obviously. Um, I'm not unionized in the Capitol, right? Staff there aren't unionized. You're, you come and go as elections happen. So I went to the California Policy Center. And as I got there, it's based out of Orange County. We started doing the school choice initiative, which was a repeat of what I had already done in 2018. And so I spent the next year drafting that school choice initiative. Unfortunately, it didn't pass or didn't get on the ballot. I was disappointing. But in that, in that time, I realized one thing. The person who would implement this initiative would be none other than the superintendent of public instruction. Mm -hmm. And if you have somebody in there that does not care about kids, does not care about parental rights, does not care about giving people the options to choose their educational future, uh, you could pass all the greatest initiatives in the world and it wouldn't matter. And so I looked around and I asked, I called tons of people and nobody was willing to step up and run. Um, and so I jumped in the race, find out that there's two other people that can serve as good people, not to disparage them. They just don't have the qualifications or the breadth or the span I do. Um, but I think they're decent human beings. And I have nothing but love for them and, and wish them yeah. the best. Yes. In the end, I think I'm the best candidate. So I want to win, you know, so I'm out doing that right now. Yeah. Um, do you think that is it because I know I get asked a lot, you know, I've been a school choice activist for a lot for a long time. So there are a lot of people who who would say, well, does that person belong on a public school board? Um, which, of course, I would respond to. Yes, the school board doesn't really have anything to do with choice. But um, do you think that that is 
a problem for you? Or do you think that that's a contradiction that, you know, really when we're talking about education in the state, we are talking about public education for the most part. It's what people think about when they think about education in the state. Do you think that it's contradictory for you to be so um, such a passionate advocate for school choice, and yet you want to be the person who is who is in charge of all public instruction. So I actually challenge the premise when people say that to me all the time. I say the fact that somebody wants to run, again, Article uh, 9, Section 1 of the state constitution, if you haven't read it as a parent, you should. It's not very long. It outlines the fact that we should have a free and open common school system. And it doesn't really prescribe how, what that looks like mm. because up until that point in time, there were schools in California, but you had to pay tuition and there were other costs associated. And they thought if we really want to develop a civic citizen, we have to allow that to be free, but they didn't go out and say other schools can't exist. And so in thinking about that, I tell people, if you want a good education, competition is your best way to achieve that. And just because the government pays for schools doesn't mean that's the only public school. If you go to a private school, that's public, right? Um, there's a lot of people that do homeschool and it's a co-op. It's public in a micro sense, but it's still public. And so when you run for a school board, you're just in that jurisdiction. You're just literally in a political subdivision saying, we want the best options for our kids possible. That's it. End of story. So is that at the government school, the district, the traditional neighborhood school? If that is, I've sent my kids to those. There are some fantastic schools and fantastic teachers. No problem. But to think that they own the school or have a corner on the education market is ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's nonsensical. And in fact, if you were to go and ask most of the people on the education committee where they send their kids, yeah. it's not to public schools. I know. The governor, does he send his kids to public schools? <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, the thought is laughable. <laughs> of course it is. And so for me to, to get really worried about what people think because I'm a school choice advocate, well, I would hope that every person on that board is a school choice advocate mm. because that is the only way that you get real good, strong competition. If you basically say to these kids, listen, the warehouse down the street needs workers. We're going to force you to go there and you're going to make whatever, you know, uh, uh, tic-tac thing you need to make, uh, would we kind of push back a little bit and say, well, I don't want to make that thing. I don't want to make socks all day. Maybe I want to be an engineer. No, no, you got to go to that school because that's down the street. Mm. And uh, as Corey DeAngelis says these things uh, really well all the time, yeah. you know, we need to fund students, not systems, but also in our pre-K or preschool stuff and in higher education, we allow government dollars to follow our kids you have absolute school choice. You don't have to go to the community college in your neighborhood just because that's where you live. You can go to anywhere you want. Why is it any different K through 12? One reason, the CTA. That's it. Yeah. Well, and Corey's been a guest on this show before, and I'm sure he'll be on again. And yeah, he always says it so well. Uh, we just seem to have this, um, we seem to have blinders on when it comes to just that K through 12. I could get into... A lot of reasons why that is. I'm not actually going to pull you into that discussion because. Oh, I'm it, happy to go there anytime. I mean, well, I think it's because 
I think it's because there's an element in this country that recognizes that that is the most vulnerable time for children. Mm -hmm. And so if they control that narrative, if they control what the kids are learning, if they control what the kids are saying, allowed to say, allowed to hear, they can create people who go on to push their own causes and own ideology. They don't care about college. College is already filled with a lot of progressive um, professors who will toe that line. And by that time, those kids are older and they don't care too much about kindergarten, although, although they are trying to expand the state's reach into your home younger and younger. But it's that those school hours where they know your kids are going to be out of your care for six to eight hours a day. So yeah, they, they, they don't care about those other things. It, to me, it's not anything to do with their I think at the top, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who do feel genuinely passionately about this, but I mean, oh, at the top, the people who are running things, it's not because they're really worried about the, the type of education or the um, quality of education our kids get. It is, I hate to use this word because it's such a buzzword these days, but it is indoctrination and the, our kids are vulnerable in those years. And I've never realized until these last few months as I've been working on my own race here how much um, influence your school authorities have over your So children. let me hit a couple of those points because I think you nailed a ton of really good stuff and it would take a whole other podcast to unpack <laughs> it. But one is a lot of parents just kind of have this nostalgia for when they were in school and like, oh, it was so great. And I was able to weather the storm and it wasn't a big deal. And yeah, I had that, I had that professor who was a little loony um, or that teacher in high school, you know, it was kind of weird. I had those, you had those. Um, but we like we got through it. It's not like that now. The influences of social media and of instant communication, access to the, the world's information at, a, at your fingertips has changed all of that. Um, it's not the notes that are passed around at school or shoved in lockers, you know, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy's going out with Susie sort of stuff. Right. <laughs> it is like, it's absolutely disgusting, horrifying. I'm not going to go into it, but I'll just say with, with one of my children, we had an experience at a school where the bullying got so bad that there was no other option for us. And when it becomes kind of a life or death situation, then you take it very seriously, especially with your own child. Second, all five of my kids are completely different human beings, completely you know, this as a parent, Yeah, my, my youngest has her proclivities. My middle children do different things. Uh, you know, I have kids with some different needs. I have kids that are exceptionally bright in different areas and capable and talented. They all need a specialized education right now with my wife. She can provide that through the homeschool charter school option that we have. And it's narrow. Um, she's provided some amount of money to get the right curriculum and do extra little things. But I'll tell you, I've watched her the last two years as she has had the chance to teach these kids in one-on-one classes done in about two or three hours every day, and they can do other stuff. But what are we doing? We're sending our kids to a cattle call almost eight or nine hours a day for what? Honestly, for what? Is it just for daycare? If that's the case, then we can have a conversation about what working parents, single moms, need to do to take care of the kids. I'm totally open to that conversation. But I think we're at a place now where we really have to consider what education is all about. Mm -hmm. It used to be we were creating a civic citizen, somebody who could come in and not just be another cog in the, in the uh, economy, but somebody who would lead in the community, somebody who would be you know good fathers and mothers, somebody who would be um, 
good business people and, and neighbors and civic citizens that doesn't exist anymore in our public schools. And so the indoctrination is less about them poisoning our kids with ideas. It's not, a, it's, it's about not letting them learn how to learn, which is the most fundamental thing they should be doing in schools. And, and lastly, I'll just say this on this topic, my favorite teachers were the ones where I had no idea what their politics were. Yes. And he would try so hard. Oh, they have to be yes. liberal. Oh, they have to be conservative. They have yes. to be libertarian. Oh, they're crazy environmentalists. You know, uh-huh. my favorite ones were those people where you could have an honest, legitimate conversation about complex and difficult issues. And in the end, your mind is expanded without being, you know, crammed with all these weird and crazy ideas. I, we were talking about this. I was talking about this with a friend, a colleague about the, the Florida bill, the, the parental rights and education bill that has gotten so much pushback. And, um, Barry Weiss actually tweeted, had a great tweet. She was like, you know, when I was in school, when we wanted to derail class because we were bored, we would try to get the teacher to tell her, tell us about her boyfriend or about her husband. Or, you know, we'd right. ask very personal questions. And the answer was always none of your business. And then we would go back to learning. Like, I can remember not knowing anything about the personal lives of, of my teachers. And, and I remember Lance, like in third grade, um, trick-or-treating for Halloween and I ended up at my third grade teacher's apartment and her coming to the door and she was in a robe like she just got out the shower and I was like oh my gosh I don't want to see this McLaughlin don't you live at school like a I couldn't believe that she did not live at school you know it was just so bizarre to me that she would have a home and then there was a man in the house which turned out to be her husband but it was like it it was like it blew my mind to think of her as an individual person who has like this personal life because in the classroom, she was simply there to teach me, to guide me and, and, and to nurture me. And that's what she did. Yeah. I can still remember too being a young kid in elementary school. I grew up in Aurora, Colorado outside Denver. And the principal of our school was the God of that school. Like he, everything, <laughs> Jerry lemons. I'll never forget his name. I mean, I adore that man. And he just, life was good. If you had a problem, you went to the principal and you took care of it. The teachers were accommodating. I had one teacher I didn't love very much and something happened. A teacher moved or whatever. I had to get switched and whatever, but they were accommodating. And I knew the teachers cared and loved me. But now think about it. What, two or three years ago, we were having this huge Me Too movement, maybe four or five, whatever it was. Uh, Any of that stuff that's happening with these women, rightly we should be opposed to it in the in the workplace. Absolutely, especially in the legislature. Of course. Where it was rampant. But you're going to advocate that crap in these kids' elementary classrooms? Like, help me understand this. Like, you do damage to an adult who can mitigate these very complex emotional and, and psychological issues, but you're going to tell a third grader that, oh, well, you just get over it. We're just teaching you biology. Um, any parent who spent five minutes looking through a lot of these books that are common in most public libraries would be astounded. And if I had a million dollars right now, I would just set up a project and I would go through every school district's library and I would say, okay, 
I want to know what every book is in there mm-hmm. and it's online for all the parents to see and they can see the objectionable stuff. And then when people, you know, like bomb on me, like Gavin, it sits in front of a camera reading these, these books that have been banned by, you know, <laughs> by conservatives, you're like, give me a break. Like I read Huck Finn when I was yeah. in high school. Yeah. I took, that was probably the most seriously considered book of my entire life. Our teacher made us take a note about every single item in that book. I still have the notebook. Like I spent time wow. devouring this. You learn these complex issues, yeah. you know, on race and hierarchy and culture and, and economics, the new frontier. And you're going to tell me because I don't want a kid reading some book about, uh, we don't need to say the words about bad stuff. Uh-huh. That I'm a terrible person. There's only so much capacity. And it's garbage in, garbage out. And if you can't say as a principal, as a librarian, as a teacher, you know what? Let's just t- teach the basics. Let's focus on that stuff. Then the other stuff does not matter at all. Human civilization has figured out for thousands of years how to sexually reproduce. Thank you. And make it just fine without <laughs> right. all these books. Uh, amen, Lance. Amen to that. People don't like to get stuck. Stuck in traffic, stuck in the mud, stuck at work and two others you probably don't think much about. Stuck with a big medical bill or stuck with a healthcare program that doesn't fit who you are. Experience true medical freedom with Share Healthcare. More affordable, more options, user-friendly, and biblically sound. You can join right now. Explore a new way to show you care with Share Healthcare. Join us today at sharehealthcare.com. Sharehealthcare.com. Use the referral code FCBUSA. That's F-C-B-U-S-A. Hey, everyone. Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep. No mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others, so that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. (laughs) I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off talk about saving money. 
So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This is Darvio Kingpin Morrow, co-host of the Outlaws Radio Show. And if you haven't heard our show before, check out this clip. Batya Unger Sarga. It's really about this class divide that we're seeing in America. What happened was over the last 20 years, um, journalists and other intellectuals, um, college professors, people in, in, in the entertainment industry, they have become increasingly separated from the rest of America. Um, from working class Americans, from lower middle class Americans, from poor Americans, and they've really become part of the elites. So journalism used to be this like working class trade. It used to be basically like being an electrician. You made around the same amount of money as an electrician or a plumber. Today, journalism is part of the American elites. If you're a journalist working in America today, you start off making very little money, but having to live in very expensive cities, which means you have to be rich, you have to come from money, right? And by the end of your mm -hmm. career, you're in the top 10%. And so I argue that as journalists have sort of undergone the status revolution, they really stopped writing for or about the working class. And they've started instead to sort of consolidate their power the way that elites always do. Subscribe to the Outlaws Radio Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's O-U-T-L-A-W-S. The Outlaws Radio Show, an FCB radio podcast. I actually have a friend who is a grandmother now, and she does that. She goes to public school, and she looks in the library, and then, and she doesn't even tell the people, take it out. She just will then present an alternative book. Like, well, here's a book about a mom and a dad family, or, you know, um, so that's a great idea. If there's parents out there, you have some extra time, pop by your kid's school library and just check out what's on the shelves. You're well, you actually know, allowed to be in there. Yeah, my uh, mother-in-law uh, retired as a librarian, um, and she was just astounded. And so she finally read Abigail Schreier's recent book. Yeah, She can't quit talking about that book. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing about it is I don't think it's in any high school uh, libraries. Why isn't it? Are we banning that book? Mm -hmm. If I were Abigail, I would get a copy, a free copy to every high school in California. 10,000 copies or a thousand, whatever it is, I would send a copy to every high school and say, Hey, let's see if you'll put this in there. Hey, Gavin, you know, is it, were you willing to read this book? I'm happy to, to share it with you. I'll send you a free copy. <laughs> right. You can read it while you're at dinner, <laughs> while you're at the French laundry. That, that picture was just so funny. Or in Mexico with uh, Russian oligarchs, uh, you know, wherever. Right. Right. Or in Cabo while we're in a state of emergency here. Or one of your three houses in Northern <laughs> California that we're not sure where you live or if you paid your taxes or if you actually did it legally. But but never mind. The common people must keep the rules. Must it, obey. Oh, uh, I we are uh, critical here. Everybody, please get to the polls in November. Make these people pay. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it is, it is incredible what, like, we can't, you know, they'll tell us, like, I can remember when Common Core came along, which I found infuriating. So it sounds like our kids are close in age. My mm-hmm. eldest, I only have two kids. My eldest is 20, just turned 20. He's only have two kids. Come I on. only have two kids. Well, I, w- I honestly wish I That's had hard work. work. Kids are hard work. They are. I, w- I, I wish I could have gotten my younger self to just stretch a little bit oh, more. I've read your stuff. Kira. <laughs> yeah. Like, amen. Yeah. Seriously. I send that around to, to friends. It's good stuff. Yeah. I, I feel a burden to tell women, to be honest with women. I do about what you're going to feel like when you're older. And I just think people don't give that advice to women enough. No, um, it's terrible, but no. that's, that's, uh, that's an effect of the the whole last 50, 60 years. And we're actually yeah. watching this play out in real time, like this week, right? So yeah. we're going to yep. see a whole bunch of weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth for people that have literally, like, they've wasted their lives away. And I've had people say this to me who are in my age and come back and said, um, the worst is the mistake of my life was never getting married and having kids. Yeah, that is what I want to avoid. I had a friend who, I know we're getting sidetracked, but we're going to get back. But this is all related to parents and kids and yes. life and what's important. And I had a friend who, as silly as this is going to sound to some people, I just I don't want you to judge my friend. She just really did not know um, who's a professional woman who who uh, spent the for early part of her life really getting to the top of her profession, did well, did so proud of her, did well for herself and thought when she got close to 50, OK, now I'm ready for a baby. Uh, I just like one. Um, and she went to the doctor and she had to go to several. And the last doctor was like, look, you've been lied to your body cannot accommodate a pregnancy this late in your life. You know, I know that you're healthy and you've done all the right things, but your ovaries still age at the same rate. Your uterus still ages at the same rate. You're too old to have children. And she was devastated. And she, I remember her, she did this whole long Facebook rant where she was like, I, I, not a single doctor my whole life. Now I've been going to ob my whole life as a woman. You know, you start when you're a young woman and you have an annual visit with, with a guy, a gynecologist. And she's like, no one ever said. Hey, maybe you might want to think about whether or not you want to be a mother because here are your here's how your opportunities dwindle to do that naturally as you get older. A lot of women don't know that you're in geriatric pregnancy territory after 32. That's never changed. We women have the right to vote and the right to work and like that has never changed. And every year after 32 that you don't have a child, that you don't produce a pregnancy, I think your chances of of um, being able to conceive drop by 5% or something like that. So yeah. if you have a child before 32, you increase your chances of getting pregnant up until you're 50, right? If you right. have your children early, those women actually can. Anyways, we're not being honest with women and we're not being honest also, I think, with parents about the long-term consequences of what can happen to our children and their minds and their future families when we sort of acquiesce all this control to a government entity that has them for six to eight hours a day and we don't get curious about what's going on in there. And the last two years has been a revelation, even for someone like me who's always been involved in education. So if you go back to the founding of the country, education was a big deal throughout the colonies. Most people taught their kids within their homes 
but they taught him up to about a third grade education, you know, read, write, and, and some basic math. That's all you needed. If 98% of your population is working a farm, they're not balancing books and going to law school and that kind of stuff. So you have your John Adams and Jeffersons and all those guys. They did their thing. And I'm grateful for that. But they also knew that it was important for some of their kids to get more education. So they would bring school teachers in as supplements. And then we got to this place where we're like, okay, maybe this is more important. So the churches said, okay, we'll use our buildings. We're not doing the the rest of the week. We can use them as schoolhouses. The Catholic church has done this a lot throughout the world and, and, and as such. There's some amount of um, you know education that's theological there and whatever, but it's all the same thing. And when we started the public school system, at least the modern one, it's this Prussian model that basically we're now creating economic bots. We're, we're, we're taking, plugging and playing these widgets and we're putting them on a conveyor belt. They're going through the conveyor belt and coming out the other side. And hopefully they've been stamped and pressed and molded and squished and, and given all the right tools to succeed. But we know a lot of, there's a lot of misses along the way. And so when that becomes the primary formulation of our kids, we've lost the plot. And so schools should be a supplementary to everything, not the primary. Oh, that's so good. Right? So family is where it starts. And this gets back to what we were just talking about a second ago. When kids are lied to, when they're told you can go out and be a widget maker for somebody else, work for the man for 20 or 30 years, and then come back and start your family. Uh, here it's backwards. It's completely backwards. Now, not discounting for all the trolls and terrible people out there that are going to say, oh, he just wants people to get married young, get pregnant, have babies and do nothing else. Nope. Not saying that at all. When my wife and I first got married, we were married for almost four years without any kids. We graduated from college. We traveled. We had a good time. We got to know each other. We were younger, but we knew that at some point in time, that was the next piece. And if my wife wanted to go out and get a master's degree or travel the world or get a job somewhere in Europe, I would have jumped on board. We would have gone and done it. But at some point in time, we had to have that conversation, which only happens, honestly, when somebody actually ties the knot. And you probably remember this, right? I can still remember my wedding day. You go from madly in love, crazy, (laughs) your brain's not working, to all of a sudden, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, this is real. Yeah. Like, There's I actually a whole life active. here. We have to, yeah. have to be healthcare. You know, yeah. my parents are going to cover all the, the vacation costs anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, and then your eyes get big. I remember coming home from school class one day, we were both undergrads at BYU and my wife was working as a waitress at a Mexican restaurant and she would make more money without the ring on than with it on. So we had this debate, like, do you wear it or not? You know, and when she came on with that first mixtape, I was like, okay, put it back on. Don't care. We're not going to do this. <laughs> but it was so funny. She hated the job after a period of time because you can only waitress for so long and it's just not fun. Where she actually on the back of an envelope did our, our budget and she goes, oh my gosh, there's so much money that we're spending. Like we, we can't make this happen. And I finally said to her, listen, quit your job, focus on school. I'll take extra hours at my job and we'll make it work. And we did. And it was a sacrifice that we made together and had that conversation. We had our first kid. Then you talk about, okay, how are we going to clothe and feed this kid? What kind of activities? What kind of traveling? Are we going to make sure we see grandma and grandpa? All those things are important. And yet when our schools tell our kids, no, it's all about you. It's all about you. And you just figure out what you want to do and go work for the man for a while. It is a complete lie for these kids, but they don't any different. Because their parents are like, oh, I went to school. It was all right. 
know? Yeah, I, I. That's quite a tangent. I'm sorry about that. No, this is what we do on JLTY. JLTY, just listen to yourself is about tangents. All my listeners know. Um, <laughs> I'm famous for it, but I do. I wrote an. I you probably saw. I wrote an article the other day of the mom stay at home with your babies. Mm-hmm. And obviously got a lot of pushback for it. But again, it was another one of those things. Like I get, I get a lot from young women who will say, well, um, there's so many things I want to do. We want to travel. We want to have fun. Like I want to live this whole life before I have kids. And I think this is maybe another um, problem that we have. Like being a mother used to be one of those things that you could be as a girl, you know, we would raise our girls to to be like, yeah, you can be a mom too someday. And here, but now we don't even mention it. Motherhood is not even mentioned in schools anymore, except for how to avoid it. You know, we don't, we make family seem like a burden in our current um, iteration of public school. A lot of the time, so much so that we're, we're asking that the public schools come in between parents and and students because the student, they think that, so many parents believe that their kids are burdens. I can remember my son, um, you know, now that my kids are older, I do a lot more, you know, my career's taking off more and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I certainly have more flexibility and I'm the type of person that I, I, ha- I like to try everything. Yeah. So like I've been a filmmaker, I tried stand up comedy for a minute there just to see what it was like. I remember my son came to my show and he was like, you're so good. And, he was like, I was like, yeah, I wish, you know, maybe it would have been fun some if I had started this early enough to do the hustle of, of comedy and all that. But yeah. I just wanted to try it. And he was like, do you ever regret? Do you ever feel like regret that you gave all of those opportunities up to stay at home? And I was like, it shocked me. It took me back a little bit because I was like, oh, I, I can't even believe that you would think of it in the it, like that you would frame it like that, that I gave up something. I'm like, I didn't give up something. I chose something. I did the thing. The thing that I chose to do was be at home. I wasn't like, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that. I was like, I get to do this. <laughs> and not to say there are people that feel that way. And and we've met them. The, the people that really feel like they did sacrifice a life of luxury or fun or fame or stardom or whatever. Um, I, my kids are the five best blessings of my entire life. Absolutely. And I seriously want nothing to do except be with my wife every day. Like all this stuff is fluff. It's fun. It's interesting. My wife's always like, oh, you're kind of a big deal. Right. You know, (laughs) I'm like, no, you know, in the end I come home to a woman who just sincerely dotes on my kids and me and is amazingly talented and on her own would be very successful. And one day when the kids are out she'll, and she's yeah, got time, she'll have time. Yeah. She, she's amazing. And she will do those things, but it's not a waste. And it's a choice we made too. And that's the reason, honestly, tying this all back together. I'm running. It's very simple. I want people to have a choice. I don't want to tell them they have to do this route or get on the conveyor belt. Just trust us. This conveyor belt is going to take you where you need to go. Because it won't always take you where you need to go. And sometimes the conveyor belt jams up and sometimes it dumps you off the side. Sometimes you get stuck in the gears. So let's figure out a way that we can protect these kids, give them a great education, a quality education, which by the way, the Supreme Court of California has ruled that the constitution doesn't provide for a high quality public education. Let that sink in. Most people don't know that. The Vigera decision, which started 10 years ago, 
what these students said, we're getting a crappy education in California. They sued. They get all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, well, technically, the Constitution doesn't provide for high-quality public education. We can't really quantify that, so you're out of luck. The state. So people uh, bash on me for making choices about my most prized possessions. Yeah. Uh, please. Yeah. Seriously, please. Hey, everyone. Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50, and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. If you guys or longtime listeners of the show, then you know I always say there are two sides to every story. But if you want to hire great talent for your business faster, there's just one way to do that. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. 
With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. This is according to Indeed Data US. I have to say one of the things that I love about Indeed the most, and I, I, I think I say this a lot when I'm talking about Indeed, is instant, the instant match. I love that word instant. I love that word match. You put them together. It's perfect for someone like me who has so many things going on. Who has the time to be digging through all of these resumes and trying to figure out all of these different data points and what's going to fit better for you? Time is money these days and money is short. You're working hard. So what I love is that Indeed works hard for you too. So that instant match is going to make sure that you get what you need right away. And I love that with instant match, like as soon as you sponsor a post, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates and their resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. See, right away, instantaneous, immediately. So you're not going to be sitting around waiting and going, oh, they're going to get back to me in a few weeks with some good candidates. No, they have the technology. <laughs> they will help you hire right away. It does the hard work for you. When you pay to post that job, Instant Match shows you candidates who have the resumes on Indeed to fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. I mean, who doesn't love that? And here's the other thing I just learned. 81% of U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comscore. That's pretty impressive. So if you're looking for a good pool of, pool of talent, Indeed Instant Match seems to be your jam. So guys, start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com slash JLTY. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash J-L-T-Y. Indeed.com slash J-L-T-Y. Terms and conditions apply. Pay per qualified applicant not available for all users. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Darvio Kingpin Morrow, co-host of the Outlaws Radio Show. And if you haven't heard our show before, check out this clip. The birthday weekend time for the birthday chick of the next person that I am going to introduce here and it is from just listen to yourself with Kira Davis Kira Davis happy birthday go 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 it's my good birthday, job. everybody. Look at God, another trip around the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to the Outlaws Radio Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's O-U-T-L-A-W-S. The Outlaws Radio Show and FCB Radio Podcast. Right. I, I know. Absolutely. And um, I think as a parent, Lance, and I know I'm just preaching to the choir because you're just a parent too, which is why you're running. And we say just a parent, but like we both have political careers. We both came from politics. And, you know, I've been accused of of maybe like lying about my my intentions for wanting to get involved because people will say, well, you're not just a parent. You've been a political pundit for 12 years. You know, yeah. you're on Fox news every other night. Like 
I'm like, no, it's my, it's my work in politics that has informed me. Right. But at the end of the day, I am a parent. I am a parent who has been suffering. And I think the most frustrating thing, Lance, over the last two years, especially has been like, when I have gone to the people in authorities to say, we are suffering, my children are suffering, like we're in pain. My son was a 2020 graduate. He didn't get any of that year. You know, it still like brings me to tears to think about it. Like he just lost it all was stolen. of that. It, it was, was stolen, stolen from him. From him. Yeah. And then when I, I had, then, then I, we did our part. We stayed home. We did all of those things. And then when I said, okay, please, you know, you have told him his entire school career that this, these are the steps you take to get to the next step. And now you're pulling the rug out from under him at that last step. What are we to do? I'm looking at a young man who's having his life put on hold for you and I, Lance, at our age, a year or two. Might not be a lot to lose, but at 17 or 18, those are the most formative years of your life to, to be told that I was being selfish, to be told that I was being a terrorist, to be told that I was, that I just wanted a babysitter for my kids. It was infuriating. It's still infuriating to me, you know, and, and, and the rains are starting to come off, but it's still infuriating. And I cannot abide by, and this is why I, I choose to stand up for parents. I cannot abide by people who look at us and tell us we don't know what our own children are going through. Yeah. Well, and uh, time short, we got to cut it here soon, but I looked at what happened in San Francisco and those are not crazy right-wing loons that recalled three of their seven That's members right. of the school Good board. Point. They're not, they are parents. And actually most of them aren't parents in San Francisco is the largest city in the United States that has the lowest population of kids in the city. San Francisco is. I think I've ever read so, that. Yeah. So again, mm-hmm. like we had people that stepped back and said, okay, not drinking anymore of the Kool-Aid, like we're done. And we're going to get these kids back in school and do the right thing while the school board went completely lunatic. Um, I see that happening with parents and, and I get a lot of progressives that will say to me, well, you're a conservative Republican. Oh, you know, you surely have no clear, clear idea what you're talking about. Well, I worked at an inner city school in Denver. I'll tell you when 50% of that school didn't speak English as a first language and 20% didn't speak English at all. And I spent months with Cambodian kids off the boat, literally off the boat to teach them their alphabet numbers and colors. I have a sympathy for these people and what they go through and I want them to succeed. And in the state of California, we provide an opportunity for every kid to succeed. But to simply just shove them into this warehouse on the conveyor belt and expect that it's all going to work out is not how it goes. And so if you're a progressive, I want you in my camp. If you're a liberal, I want you in my camp. If you're a crazy commie, I want you in my camp. Why? Because I'm going to give you the opportunity to make the best decision about your kid better than any bureaucrat can. Right. Not you. No, right. You're not running to be the decision maker for them. That's that's exactly I'm running to give power back. That's right. Power back. And if people go to my blog on medium, I have one one piece on there where I talk about one of the first things I'll do is I'll have a chief parent advocate as my deputy. This will be the guy to say, okay, all these systems, how does this impact parents? Then I'll do a kid's first audit of the whole education department and budget. I'll say, is this focused on the kids? If it's not, we're scrapping it. Then I'll go and I'll say to all the superintendents and school board uh, members, which is thousands of them in the state, probably seven or 8,000 people. I'll say, meet me up in Sacramento. We'll go to the Golden One Center and we'll rent out the stadium. We're going to have a town hall. And here's the deal. 
We're going to talk about my constitutional authorities, the state superintendent of public instruction. We're going to talk about your constitutional authority as school board members. And we're going to decide which authority I can shove back to you so you can quit complaining about all the problems that come from Sacramento. And you can take responsibility for all the stuff that you were responsible for. And then I can step back and just make sure the money flows where it's supposed to flow and then walk away and leave you alone. That sounds lovely. I like that. This is why I'm going to vote for you, Lance. Um, I'm going to let you go. I want you to tell everybody uh, what are some of your needs? Where can they go support you? And when is your election? Yeah, LanceChristensen.com is my website. Um, and you'll spell it, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have it in the notes. Um, and then in social media, Lance for CA Soup, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those places. But also... Um, I have this medium blog where I'm trying to blog every other day or so and just get issues up and on there. Um, I do reels on a regular basis. I need money. Money is the mother milk of, of politics and I can't make it happen and get the message out far and wide. So please donate. If it's a hundred bucks, if it's $500, I can receive up to $8,100 per person per election. I would sure love to see a few people max out in, in my campaign because here's the deal on June 7th, it's the primary. And like I said, at the beginning, because it's nonpartisan, if I get 50% plus one vote, the election is over. The unions haven't spent a penny yet that I'm aware of in this election because they're trying to keep their head low. They know they've blown it this year. Yeah. So if I have parents, if I have all the parents, if I have all the concerned people in, this, in the state come out and vote for me, say, whatever Tony's doing, ranked 50th in literacy in the country, like, come on, please. That, that's terrible. There's no excuse for that. If I have all the parents and concerned citizens come, donate, support, endorse, and volunteer for my campaign and vote for me on June 7th, then I will win the greatest coup in the entire United States up till, Jan up till June. It will be the election that everybody will be talking about. Um, so, so listeners, if you're not in California, you've just heard Lance says he needs money. We all know it's distasteful. I know a lot of us have given up giving money to candidates, but- when we're talking about citizen candidates like Lance, like myself, um, it is worth your money. So if you can come up off of a few bucks to help push Lance over the finish line, do so. If you're here in California, please take off the box for Lance in June. This is so important. It's going to be even important to me as I move forward with what I'm doing here in my district. So um, Lance, I thank you so much for your sacrifice. And I thank you for, cause this is a sacrifice. I mean, it's just, it, it's unbelievable how much effort and work and, and pain goes into to running for office. So thank you for taking up the call and thank you to your wife and family for allowing you to do that and for supporting you at home while you traipse all over the state, <laughs> making your case. It's a good case. And I totally, I, as I've given you my official endorsement, yeah, you're amazing. You every other kind of endorsement as well. I can't wait to see you win. Well, let's make this happen. As goes California, goes the rest of the nation. And I tell people, I feel like I've stepped out of a big fish onto the shore of a really terrible place. And that's my calling. So I'm here to do this. And if it means that uh, we go through some rough times for the kids, I'll take it because they're important. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lance. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem, my friend. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith and we won't lose faith. All we got is us. No one can take that away. Yeah. So don't lose faith. It's going to be okay. I pray the Lord, my soul today, that we won't lose faith and we won't lose faith. 
All we got is us, no one can take that away. So don't lose pain, it's gonna be okay. The FCB Radio Network, first class broadcasting worldwide. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.